Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. In the summer of 2012, I took a job as an expedition canoe guide on the boundary waters in northern Minnesota and southern Ontario. These are a massive wilderness area of lakes and land. I was working for the Boy Scouts and were based on Moose Lake on the US side. My job was to facilitate a fun and safe multi-day trip anywhere from 7 to 12 days out. Most of that summer was typical too, but one expedition in particular still haunts me as a result of what happened to us over the course of a, a few days. Here is the account in full. So my crew was on the younger side. There were nine of us in total, the maximum allowed in a group per our permit. There were six scouts, two adult advisors, scoutmasters, and myself. They had wanted to do a 200 miler, but didn't have the physical ability, so we had to amend the route. They were bummed out, so I decided to take them to a waterfall called Eddie Falls. It's pretty flat up there, so a waterfall is somewhat rare, but that decision would end up putting us in the path of, well, something. So we visited the falls and we camped near it. That evening, I had the boys working on a camp setup while the advisors worked on fire for the dinner. I was collecting firewood in a big tangle of down trees, brush, and bramble. I could faintly hear the falls off to my left when, out of nowhere, I hear the most unearthly scream or roar that I'd ever heard. It stopped me dead in my tracks and I was frozen. The second scream was much closer and the third even closer than that. I couldn't see anything due to the thickness of the brush, but whatever this was, it was coming directly at me. By the fourth scream, I could feel it in my chest. I got nauseous at this and involuntarily barked at it. I've never before or since heard that sound come out of my body, but... The fifth scream almost physically hurt me, but it snapped me back to reality and I ran instantly back to the camp. My crew heard it too, but I had no idea what to tell them. I claimed that it might have been a boar, but there's no boar up here, and the advisors, they knew that I was lying, but didn't call my bluff. 
After dinner, they went to their tents and I retired to my hammock about 50 yards from camp. As a rule, I always set my hammock up at my head height, so about six feet up. I would use a tarp over my body and head to keep the morning dew off and the morning mosquitoes at bay too. But the tarp wasn't strung up and that's important because it was just sort of loosely over me. It must have been around three or four in the morning when I was awakened by what sounded to me like a woman sobbing. Not an outright cry, but a sob. At the same time, I'm hearing something walking through the thick brush down past my feet. So I listen, totally still and quiet as it crosses into camp. I could hear the change from the brush to the granite rock, but could still hear its heavy footfalls as it walked right through camp. And straight towards me. At this point, the tarp is still over my head, so I can't see a thing and I don't know what to do. In no time though, whatever it was, it was standing right next to me. I could hear the breathing too, loud and sort of congested sounding. I could smell the musk and I could feel its enormous presence only inches from my body, just standing there. And it was time to make a decision. I suddenly threw the tarp off of my head, and as I did this, my left hand touched this thing in the chest. It was dark, but I could make out briefly a very large upright figure. The hair on it was long and coarse. The muscularity of this thing, though, was impressive. Bodybuilder status, pectoral, is what I touched, and it all happened in a second. But as soon as my hand made contact, it bolted back into the brush with immense speed for such thick debris. By the time that I got my headlamp on it, it was gone. Unfortunately, my crew had slept through it all, so I just read it until the sun came up and in the end I decided not to mention it. The next day we moved on a few miles toward base camp and camped on a small island. Campsites on the US side are designated by a fire pit and a, a grumper, which is a fiberglass toilet over a deep hole, really. We were just arriving and it was evening. One of the adult advisors needed to visit the grumper, so he walked towards it. About two minutes later, we heard him yelling and he came running back to the camp, still pulling his pants up, and said that he'd seen a, a gorilla run right in front of him. I asked if maybe it was a bear and he said absolutely not, that he'd hunted bear for years and it was definitely not one. It was a monkey and it was apparently about nine feet tall. At this height estimate, I'm imagining being back in my hammock. If I touched the chest and I was about six feet off the ground, that puts the head close to about nine feet up. So, whatever this thing was, was it stalking us? Was there more than one? The boys are definitely now scared, which meant that it was time to mitigate. I suggest a night paddle, nobody's sleeping anymore anyway, so we pack up and set out around 8pm and paddled by headlamp for several miles. My plan was to get back onto Moose Lake and camp very near to base so we could be the first crew off the water the following day. Moose Lake is connected to Newfoundland Lake by a small pinch and a channel of water that's not very deep or wide. But there's dark woods on both sides. We were right in the middle of the pinch when a rock the size of a basketball came flying out of the woods on the right side and only narrowly missed the bow of the canoe that I was steering. 
There's no cliff there either. This thing was forcefully thrown at us from the tree line, whatever it was. At this, we paddled like absolute demons. We paddled to the center of the Moose Lake, tied all three canoes together, and we sat out there all night. With the sunrise, we paddled to base camp, and at that, we just ended our expedition. They didn't want to talk about what happened, and to be honest, I was completely fine with that. They left for Oklahoma the next day, and that was that. After they left, I went to work a shift in the canoe yard, helping crews offload. My buddy Justin got back that day from a trip in the same area that we had been in, Bear Loop, and as I was helping him put a boat on the rack, I noticed that he had a distant look, almost a thousand yard stare if you catch my drift, and I asked how his trip went, and he said that it was all good until they hit Knife Lake or Newfoundland Lake. He said that they were being messed with for two nights on Knife and then had a rock thrown at them in the Newfound Pinch. And sure enough, for a solid two weeks after that, crews kept coming back from that area with very similar stories. One night too, there was a crowd of us guides in the Staff Lodge swapping trail stories and these encounters came up one after another. Screams, rocks, sightings of apes. Then from the back corner of the room, I hear a chuckle. It's one of the old veteran guides who'd been there for over a decade and all he said was, it's about time somebody else seen one. I asked how long he'd known that they were there and he said that he's been encountering them for like 10 years now. But then he said, they talked to me. This shocked me. Like a language, I asked. No, they communicate telepathically, he said. The less you acknowledge them, the less they'll bother you, but they can read you and they like it when you're afraid. It's like a game to them, is what he said. What happened out there is still a big question in my mind. I've always been open to the idea of Sasquatch. Their existence was never a huge stretch for me, but... What really sticks with me is the way that that veteran guide spoke of their intelligence and also apparently parapsychological abilities. That they can read human emotion as clear as pages in a book. That they know our species perhaps better than we even know ourselves. I'm a 25-year-old male and I live in Utah and, well, I guess I'm curious if any of you guys have seen anything like this before because I'm pretty sure that I saw a Wendigo or a Skinwalker. I know it sounds strange or crazy, I get it, but I don't really believe in those things and I'm regularly skeptical myself when it comes to the paranormal, but I definitely saw something. This happened to me when I was 17 and I was in high school and living with my parents. My house at the time was in a very small town. The backyard faced open empty fields and mountains for miles before you reached another civilization at all. My best friend lived next door as well and shared this field as our backyard in a way. I have to explain too that his house sat on what was sort of built on a different street that ended in the field with a small cul-de-sac. I know that sounds weird but... I hope you get it. I think that there were supposed to be more houses built down this street at some point to expand the town, but they clearly never got around to it. So his driveway was basically in his cul-de-sac, even though no other houses were built there. 
This matters later in the story as well. So, I used to stay the night at my friend's house a lot in high school because I didn't have the best relationship with my parents. Every once in a while, we would wake up to hear dragging and a weird sort of gargling sound from the back porch. His room was the basement room with the window well to the back porch. This would happen maybe a, a couple of times a month, but whenever we would gather the courage to check, nothing would ever be back there. This happened for years too, and in the end we just thought it was maybe the pipes or something. But one night, haunts my friend and I still to this day. You see, my friend was getting ready to move and we would stay up all night playing games and watching movies and stuff. We decided to go on a music drive to just vibe out and we hopped in his truck with high beams, swung out of the driveway, turning them on towards the field to use the roundabout. And when we did that, the light illuminated this, what I can only describe as, thing. It looked like a person, but it definitely wasn't. It was naked, on all fours, abnormally large, particularly its limbs that seemed to fold under itself in a really unnatural way. Its pale skin clung to it like it had been stretched onto it, but the part that still sends shivers down my spine is definitely its face. Its jaw hung open to its gaping black maw, like a snake unhinging its jaw to eat. Its black eyes glistened in the light as it looked at us, but as it turned to see us, it quickly scurried backwards, almost like it was on rewind, into the brush of the field. My friend and I were pale as ghosts. We both looked at each other and just said, did you see that? We were shaken and we were afraid. Let's just say too that we tried to have a good rest of the night, but we just could hardly believe what we saw. We ended up just sitting there in the basement with guns all night, ready and waiting to hear the gargling and the dragging again. But that night, we never did. In fact, it was a really anticlimactic night in the end, and it was weird. I now don't live in that town anymore, but there are times when I visit there though, and that empty field, it still feels like it's watching and waiting. And as silly as this sounds, even though I, I can't see it obviously, I still feel inside of me like it's out there somewhere. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. So I live in Tennessee and I used to go fishing regularly with two other guys before I left the state to go to college this past August. 
one spot that we really like to fish or just hang out at is in this kind of hidden road that leads to a dead end. The dead end is a, a super tiny parking lot for a lack of a better term. Only about maybe five spaces at the max. And we would go for a hiking trail and it sort of forces you to turn around at one point. For an idea of how hidden this spot is actually, my friends and I have even thrown parties out there and we've never been seen. We usually fish late at night there and also have a fire going since we're out super late anyway and it's in the middle of the woods. But one night, a bit past midnight, we had a few rods out along the water while we cooked some burgers on the fire. One friend decided that he wanted to try and toast his burger bun and everything and the way Subway sort of toasts your sandwich is what he said. The bun got a bit too burned and was solid so I told him to put whatever meat was left with the bait and to just toss the bun. It's totally dark mind you and we're right next to the water. The only light that we had was the fire, our phone screens and occasionally the inside of our cars when we had to walk like 10 to 15 feet away to grab other fishing gear. We did however have headlamps but we didn't use them too much because the battery life would drain super quickly if we used them. These headlamps were really powerful though but the only constant light, the fire, it was only illuminating so much of the water in front of us. Only like 5 feet at most so everything after that was pitch black but still water. So after putting the remaining meat in the bait bucket and mixing it, I told them that I had to take a leak. Before I walked away, my friend asked what to do with the burnt bun and we both told him to just throw it in the water and that the fish would take care of the rest. As I turned away, I was able to catch my friend throwing the bun into the darkness out of the corner of my eye. I walked back towards the entrance of the woods across the road behind us and did my business. While I did, I heard them just sort of chatting away, cutting up and the other friend giving the first friend trouble for burning the bun I think. As they're laughing about it, I'm still in the middle of my leak and I suddenly hear them stop laughing and it got completely silent. As I finished up though, I heard frantic shuffling with the sound of fishing lines being reeled in. The friend who threw the bread was sort of packing up his gear. Those who fish understand packing up is the worst part, but the other friend too who carries was now holding his gun and turned his headlamp and scanning the water in front of where they were set up. I obviously came back and asked him what was going on and he quietly told me to help pack up our stuff and to kick the fire over into the water. Due to him being goofy normally I asked no questions and I did what he said. I remember picking up a piece of a hamburger bun next to the fire and tossing it into the water right in front of me as I was heading back to my car after kicking the fire over. And we were out of there faster than any other time that we left that fishing spot really. Keep in mind that we're way out in the sticks so it took us a bit to get to the closest gas station which we use as a last stop to get anything that we need before heading to this spot. The gas station is closed but the parking lot to the side of it is always lit up by the street lights. So we pulled into there and that was when I finally asked them what was going on but they were both still wide-eyed and visibly shaken. It turns out though that while I was taking a leak, the piece of burnt bread my friend had thrown into the darkness actually flew back out of there and landed right at their feet. I saw my friend throw that bread and briefly saw it fly into the darkness across from us too. 
and also the piece that I threw back into the water on my way out, that was actually the same piece. I always worked closing shifts, so sometimes I wouldn't fish with them, but they'd fish together at other spots in the area along that lake. And they told me about their other encounters with weird and unexplainable things before, but I always just brushed them off. But this time, this time it was different because, I mean, I saw my friend throw that bread into the water, and thinking back on it, that bread was definitely the one that I re-threw back into the water again. How is that possible? In December of 2005, me and a few high school friends were back home from our respective universities. We were juniors at the time and started a traditional winter break of freshman year to visit random state, parks or smaller towns and explore them, along with the occasional mischief that we would end up getting into at some point. During these one night trips, the three of us would all fall asleep in the back of my Tahoe on a large mattress pad. This kept us safe from the elements and set my paranoid mind at ease should we be subjected to any foul play as well. But we decided this year to go to the Davy Crockett National Forest area. This area has many places that are extremely rural and desolate, which was exciting because we had previously found some interesting things and abandoned structures on our previous excursions. I'd used up my rest of my university printing credits to print detailed map quest pages for us so that we could use them for navigation while we were visiting. The drive was roughly two hours from our hometown, but we decided to start the trip off in Lufkin, just east of the National Forest, to eat dinner and get a few things from Walmart. After dinner, we decided to mess around and get into our normal shenanigans like we always did. A few hours later, we found ourselves in Crockett, Texas, about an hour west of Lufkin. We planned on staying in a campground about halfway between the two cities, so had a lot of flexibility when it came to time. We explored random roads and went into a few abandoned buildings before getting bored and wanting to go somewhere else. By this time, it was about 12.30, in the morning that is, and at this point in the night, I needed an energy boost, so decided to stop at a gas station in Kennard, Texas, which was about 30 minutes east of Crockett. I go inside to buy a few snacks, energy drinks, a few cans to give us some fuel for the rest of the night. With a nice buzz from the energy drink, we decided to get a, a little more adventurous and we venture down FM 357 south of Kennet. We come across a few forest service roads that ventured off into rural residential roads and other country roads. I pull off on the side of the road to check MapQuest and match the cross streets that we're at and give it to my other two friends to assist with navigation. After getting back onto the road, I notice that it's 1.30 in the morning and we all joke about how we are miraculously uh, still awake. I decided to head down the next service road that we came across and this, this is where things started to get pretty weird and where parts of my memory are well, erased, I guess, due to the sheer adrenaline that I had at that time. So after driving down a few more service roads and taking random turns, we get to a road that is much more narrow compared to the others. By this time, I get incredibly frustrated because it is almost 2.15 in the morning and I don't want to stumble into somebody else's front yard in a rural area in the middle of the night. So I decided to slowly proceed down the road when... 
Suddenly I noticed a, a faint light in the distance. Great, I thought. Just great. I'm about to spook some random poor soul awake. And about 30 seconds later, I can tell that these are headlights now, but they suddenly disappeared. I thought someone may have turned up ahead, but I was very wrong. About 10 or 15 seconds later, I see what appeared to be a brand new black Chevy Suburban. The second that I put my high beams on it, its lights turned on and three men dressed in full suits jump out and sprint down the road past my car. It was almost like they were lifeless, but they didn't even look at my car. As they were running past me, the Suburban suddenly shifts into reverse and conducts the fastest reverse maneuver that I'd ever seen. At this point, I unholster and tell my friends to grab my AR. We were all scared and I had zero clue what we were about to come up on as we drove forward. Mind you, these were the days where cell phone coverage was pretty much non-existent in many areas of this region of the state, so we had no way to call for help if something did happen. As we reached the end of the road, we came upon FM 357, the same road that we'd originated from. I still don't know how this is possible. I mean, it felt like we were just venturing further and further away from that road and we passed a US Forest Service fire station again on the way out like we had on the way in too. What I mean is that we traveled the same road twice somehow. I recently checked Google Maps for any US Forest Service fire station off of FM 357 and I cannot find any current or past historical data on it. The county tax assessor doesn't have any listings either. In any case, we got back on FM 357 and we decided to book it to downtown Crockett as we didn't feel comfortable with sleeping in a campsite after what had just happened. And I have since made sure to never venture down unknown roads without referencing GPS or maps at the very least. I am still processing that short but very weird and unsettling event. Where did those men come from? Why were they in suits in the middle of the forest? Where did the black suburban go that vanished into the night? Me and my friends still occasionally talk about this incident and no one can seem to come up with a, a sound explanation. The thing that bothers me the most though is I cannot find any evidence of this road that we were on. Google Earth software doesn't even have a road or satellite imagery that lines up with what happened. Nor does it have evidence of a fire station or any structure for that matter. So, I don't know if we just went down the wrong road or if something really weird happened that night. So an old friend hit me up a little while ago and I started reminiscing and remembered this. I believe that I've encountered the black-eyed children over a decade ago in rural Appalachia. This has always low-key disturbed me. Keeping in touch to this day, we've never brought it up again either. So we were at a local state park sort of place at between 9pm and 1am. I remember that we were parked alongside the woods and some picnic tables. It was pretty desolate. We were technically trespassing, 17 female and 17 male at that time. And what we were doing there, you can probably leave to your imagination. But as our curfews were approaching and we were finishing up our time together, we experienced what I, 
we experienced what I can only describe as a, a very ominous feeling. He was in the driver's seat preparing to start the car and pull off. The car doesn't start though. We sort of laugh it off as it wasn't the first time and we just talked. When suddenly, to the right, passenger side where I was sitting, we see faint lights coming out of the woods. The ominous feeling intensified obviously and emerging from the woods, there are four or five children younger than us, like appearing to be maybe 7 to 11 years old. And now, I'm not going to claim that they had black eyes because, truthfully, it was dark and I don't remember as I was pretty shook up, but I didn't read about the black-eyed children lore or phenomenon until years later, which described everything else that we experienced that night. All I can say is that they were definitely not normal. They didn't belong, I guess is the best way to put it. The cabins at the park were not occupied. They weren't even getting rented out as it was autumn and winter. We were miles from the park's hotel. There were no adults either. They were absolutely just completely out of place. What were the lights? Well, I don't know, but the closest thing that I can compare them to are like glow sticks. As if they had opened a, a package of those novelty glow sticks that included bracelets, necklaces or wands sort of thing, but... It wasn't like they were having fun or goofing off or anything. They just stopped, stood there, and sort of ominously stared at us. He tried asking what they were doing, if they were lost or where their parents were, but there was no response. The oldest looking male child, a bit heavyset with a grey hoodie on, approached the vehicle just in front where the passenger headlight corner would be. My friend started really freaking out at this moment. He locked the doors and was like, heck no, we gotta go. Eventually, thankfully, the car starts too. But the children, they don't move, and the kid stays put in front of the car. My friend eventually yells to the kid, I'm going to run you over. The boy slowly backs away, raises his arm, and points at us as we were leaving. We didn't look back, and we obviously never saw them again, but it is one of the weirdest nights that... I've ever had. It's been about a year since my husband and I had an encounter with this tall mysterious creature but I haven't been able to let it go since. It's been plaguing my dreams and keeping me from being outside at night even. So I thought that I'd share it here in hopes that anyone might have similar stories or encounters. It was the middle of winter and everything was powdered in white. Life had gotten quite slow, so my husband and I decided to take our two small children to his parents' house to enjoy a date night together. My in-laws only live four blocks away from us on the very bottom of a mountain in Utah County, so it wasn't a far drive. It was around four in the evening when we left our kids with my in-laws and we had only planned to pick up some sushi and head back home. But by the time that we were done and back at my in-laws, it was around 5.45 in the evening. The sun was shining brightly but was about to make its way out for the night. We gathered up the kids, put their coats on and headed out to the car. My father-in-law and 19-year-old brother-in-law walked out with us to say goodbye to the kids. As we were buckling them into their seats, we heard this horrendous noise. It sounded like a woman crying, a child laughing, and a bird sort of cawing all at once. My father-in-law looked at me and said, Are you hearing this? 
My husband said, yeah, you heard that too? My brother-in-law mentioned that he could hear it too and I just stood there, silent, trying to dissect whatever this sound was and where it was coming from. And then I heard my father-in-law say, look on the mountain. He was pointing up about a hundred yards away and I quickly grabbed the glasses from the top of my head for a better look. And there it was, something big, completely black, and it was hunched over a bush. We stared and listened to its cry in the silence. I said, I'm getting my binoculars to my father-in-law and he turned to run to the house. We stared and listened to its cry in silence. I'm going to go and get my binoculars, said my father-in-law and he turned to run to the house. The unbearable sound stopped though and the creature slowly stood upright to look at us. Whatever it was, it was long, skinny, all black and it could have been maybe eight to nine feet tall. It had the body of a man, sort of, but disproportionately skinny and extremely long. Its arms were incredibly long, in fact. They definitely passed the knees, and it had no facial features. No nose, no eyes, just complete darkness. We collectively stood in silence, staring at each other and at this thing, and about 15 seconds had passed. It began to quickly float up the mountain... I'm not talking float as in was so fast that you couldn't see its legs. I'm talking literally floating up the mountain like it was levitating. My husband describes it was about 20 miles per hour in speed, but it wasn't long before whatever it was completely dissipated into the tip of the mountain. I will never forget that day and I have not seen anything like it since. In fact, I, I hope I never really see anything like it ever again. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared Podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.